screen. We'll get there in just a moment here. But I want to speak to you about a phrase that is in the Bible. It's a two-word phrase. It's called, but God. And it appears in the Bible 43 times in 43 verses. And in Genesis chapter 20, verse 3, we're going to look here in just a moment. It's the very first time that it ever shows up. It's the one phrase that I would say tonight which brings, should bring pure joy into one's heart or strike terror into the soul. So I ask you this, why, why do you think, maybe, why should this phrase, but God, we're going to see that in a second, why would but God, why would that bring fear into someone's life? Well, the word itself, the word but, it changes the direction of something. And I've always said this. I, I learned this from one of my preacher mentors. Uh, uh, that but always changes the other side of the street. That's what it does. It changes the direction. And when we're heading in one direction in our life, then all of a sudden, but God appears. It brings joy to the servant, but it brings fear to the sinful. Hebrews 10.31 tells us it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So read with me from the screen, if you will, tonight, Genesis in chapter 20 and verse 1. And we're going to talk about a story here. I hope and pray that I can uh, convey it to you this evening in the manner that uh, not only the Bible has it written, but in the way my heart uh, ha has just been tendered and touched by this thought. And Genesis 20 verse 1 says, And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned to Gerar. And Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, uh, he says, uh, she, he said, uh, and Abraham said to, to uh, sorry, said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said unto him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. For the time, the opportunity to be together this evening, we ask of you, Lord, to bless the preaching and teaching of your words, Father. Lord, I pray that you just reach deep down inside of our heart, our souls tonight, and that we may bring a blessing into our life, Lord, that you may tender us and touch us. And dear God, I pray, if any of us here tonight have ever had that but God moment, or if we've had multiple, or if we are awaiting that one, Lord, I pray that this thought tonight would come back, that it would be rekindled inside of our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. There are several men in the Bible named Abimelech. And the name itself means father of the king. But the man we are seeing today has an agreement with Abraham after this encounter. We know that in which was, uh, in reality, it was caused by Abraham. Now we look at Abimelech and we find here, when you look in verse 2 and you see that, that he takes Sarah and and uh, we know we know that she's his wife. We, understand, we know that, that she's Abraham's wife. And, but the reality, the whole situation, the whole problem that happened here is, uh, you know, I, I, it really, truly, yeah, Abimelech did wrong, but you know who brought it on them? Uh, Abraham brought it on them. So we begin to look at, at what really and truly happened here. When you go back to verse 3, and then we'll go to the title screen tonight, it says, But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. What happened in Abimelech's life, my friend, was that God intervened in his life. You could almost say God interfered, but he intervened. And he intervened in a way. We've probably seen it time and time and time in, the, in our life. God uh, saves us from, 
from a multitude of things that we don't even know about in our life, of keeping us safe on the roads, making us be delayed, say, at a, a, a traffic light or whatever it may be, just to keep us from a, a, maybe a car accident down the road or, or meeting a certain person. What we, we have no earthly idea that when God looks down upon the, the gamut of time from the seat of eternity and He begins to look and to see what He's doing in our life right now, we don't know. And thank God for it. But I will tell you this this evening. There are positive intervenings that God has in our life. But we're going to find with Abimelech here, even though it works out to be in something positive, this intervening here, he said, but thou art a dead man. Now, I don't know about you, but that wake me up. That, that, I mean, God in heaven, the creator of all things, the one that, hey, listen, God doesn't have to kill anyone. All He has to do is stop giving them life. Do you understand? Yeah. And He comes and He visits this man of Bethlehem. You see, guys, this encounter, this agreement that Abraham had, in reality, was caused by Abraham. And in fact, uh, uh, we, we, when we looked at he failed in his faith, he, he forsook God's problems, he, uh, promise, he fit to the king. And, and before, I mean, you know, in all fairness, guys, if we do a little digging, you know what you're going to find out? Yeah. Technically, Sarah was his partial sister. She, she was a she was a half sister because they were from the same tribe. So you know, so maybe Abraham's sitting back there going, "Well, you know, it's really not a a real story. It's not a real fib. It's not a real lie." And uh, but beloved, yeah, well, it was because God looks on the intentions of the heart. You see, yeah. Abimelech is a Philistine king uh, in a place uh, called Gerar, and, and in all essence, he's a pagan. Harems were common in that day. As a matter of fact, it was common amongst most of all, not all pagan societies to have these concubines and things along that line. And a lot of the standards are derived by God. Standards in our lives, standards in, in our world, standards in how we should operate and function in our days today, they are derived by God. And, no, and it doesn't matter if a society leaves God. It doesn't matter if a, if a society says, well, we just don't want to believe in that God or your God. That's not what we want to do today. The standards are still there. And they're still His standards, you understand it's still His church. And uh, no matter if the people forsake it, the standards are still with Him tonight. But we find that God intervened. In, the, in these verses here that we're going to look at, we find that there was a but God moment in His life, and He intervened, number one, with a warning. Verse 3, again, we've already read it, but, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art a, but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Guys, this is conviction of Abimelech doing the wrong thing. This is conviction of his sins. There was a warning from God, a warning from, from God. There was a warning through his word, if you will, to Abimelech's heart. And guess what? He was convicted. I mean, here, this is the beautiful part of a warning. The warning was that was given to a soul who was outside the seed of Abraham. Now, this is what, guys, this is one of the areas that, that I find so intriguing because we know, especially back then, okay, when you look at who Abraham was, Abraham originally, his original name was Abram. Abram is a Gentile name. His wife's original name was Sarai, which is a Gentile name. He was going to be the father of all nations. We understand that. He, his, he begat Isaac, Isaac the chosen seed. The covenant from Genesis 12 was carried on through Isaac and down to Isaac's children. And we know that was Jacob. It was carried on from him and then Jacob to the 12 tribes of Israel. 
The phrase or the title for their race is called Hebrew, and that comes from the great-granddaddy of Abraham, whose name is Eber. Okay, that's where all of that comes from. But we know that Abraham was the chosen vessel, okay, to bring forth that covenant that's still in the tact today, from Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and all the way down. He was a chosen vessel. But here you have a Philistine. Here you have a people, a people that uh, they were God's people's enemy and always have been. Remember Goliath the Gath, he was a Philistine. They were considered pagan. They, in the Old Testament, you, you hear the phrase heathen. We use the word heathen today. And, uh, well, in the South you do. You say, well, they're just a bunch of heathen. Well, the word heathen actually means other nations. It just means those any, any other nation other than the nation of Israel. That's where it comes from the Old Testament. I'm saying all that to say this, that God intervened in a man's life who wasn't even part of that chosen seed. And for many in this world today, they feel as if the blessings and warnings from the Lord are only for the religious, or only for the church going. This is untrue. God's warnings are for the world. They're for the nations. Uh, they're for the individual. They're for the family. God's warnings are for everyone. Those warnings are there. And warnings are good things, aren't they? What do warnings do? They keep you from doing something bad, don't they? I mean, can you imagine if a, if, a, if a bridge was out here and, and you're just flying down the road at 50 miles an hour and there was no sign telling and you've got the music on, talking to the family, having a good time, doing all this and that, and then you just run slap off that bridge into a, uh, into a, a river or something. But there's a warning saying, hey, don't go any further. There's, there's, there's uh, blockades put up. There's roads. There's diversions. All of these things. They're a warning for us. They're good. Amen. I mean, they're for the world. The Bible tells us in Psalm. 33 and verse 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He hath chosen for His inheritance. Psalm 11 and verse 3, the Bible tells us if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? These are warnings, my friend. In the New Testament, the book of Acts, Acts 17, uh, a tremendous thing. Paul steps up there in, in, uh, in, in Athens, Greece, and uh, he's left alone. The Bible tells us that he was, he was stirred, he was moved when he saw the city wholly given over to idolatry. He went through that pantheon where all the, the empty pedestal where the pedestals are, are worshiping these pagan gods. And he found this one that said to the unknown God. And they take him up to Mars Hill and he begins to testify to them of who this unknown God uh, is. And this is what Paul says in verse 30. He says, in the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. What ignorance was Paul referring to? To the unknown God. See, the whole history of Acts 17, and I don't want to take more time tonight than I need to, but the whole reason that pedestal was there uh, in that pantheon, that, that pantheon of all these different gods, that said to the unknown god, at one time there's a massive famine that had come through the world, and, uh, especially in Greece, and, and they begin to sacrifice to the, to the god of, the, of wheat, and the god of this, and the god of sacrifice, all of their gods, and it never stopped the famine. One of the people stood up and said, hey, we must have offended the unknown God. And so they set a pestle up to the unknown God. Paul said, it's the unknown God that I'm going to tell you about today. And so Paul said, there was a time when God winked at this ignorance. So guys, never misunderstand the word ignorance, okay? Ignorance does not mean unintelligent. 
Ignorance does not mean stupid. It doesn't mean, that's not what ignorance means. You know what ignorance means? It only means without knowledge. And if you don't know something, you're just ignorant of it. There's nothing wrong with that. And Paul said there was a time when God winked at this ignorance. And I'll tell you when that time was, my friend. When Jesus Christ was placed on the cross, and they nailed His hands and His feet to that wooden tree, and they dropped Him down on that cross beam. And His words were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They are ignorant. Forgive them, He said. He said there was a time God winked at this, but not now. He said, now he commanded all men everywhere to repent. So, beloved, the first time the word but, the phrase but God appears in the Bible, it appears with the intervening hand of God Almighty on behalf of a sinful man who was part and leader of a sinful nation. What difference do you believe tonight could have been made in that person's life when there is a but God moment? What difference do you believe tonight can be made in your life when there's a, a but God moment? How many opportunities have you had in this world to simply wreck your life? To simply change the direction of where you could be or should be? But God intervened. There are decisions and choices that we make as young people which place us into a box. And it limits us to what we are able to do in the future. God's been playing with my head about a, a sermon to put together. One of the points is self, really. A, just to destroy yourself. We, we live in a time where so many young people today for whatever reason, do not feel as if they have the ability, the stability, uh, the opportunity to go out and do something in the world, and they begin to make choices way over here as a young person. They begin to do things to themselves way over here as a young person. And what that is, subconsciously, what they're doing is they're making excuses to fail in the future. Well, I can't advance in my job because I was arrested back here when I was 12 years old. Well, you know what? I can't be out in the public because I did this, that, and this. That's my body. Well, you know what? I just I can't go any further. I, I, I got to stay in this job right here, and I can't go anywhere at all because I didn't score X, X Y, Z on my test. And it all started back here with a choice. It all started back here with insecurity. It all started back here. And to make that choice, there wasn't a but God moment. There wasn't an intervening hand of God to touch them. Bimelech had that moment. Now, mind you, Bimelech had a choice. Bimelech could have been a Pharaoh. He's saying, who's this God? Bimelech could have very easily said, who's this God you speak of? I don't know him. He's not one of our gods. I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, Pharaoh had an opportunity. I was working on some notes for a lesson when we... Uh, in the future, today. When you look at when Moses and, and Aaron first went to uh, Pharaoh and said, let my people go, he said, who's your God? I'm not going to do that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make their life more hard. 
Matter of fact, they're going to have to get their own straw to make brick for me. And the taskmaster is going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to drum it up a little bit. Pharaoh's choice. The next times we read, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But it started with him doing it the first time. God gives you a chance. He gives you an opportunity. But there comes a time, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 9, it's a quote from Malachi. It says that God will have mercy on whom he has mercy, and he'll harden on whom he hardens. It's his choice. But he gives you an opportunity. And when you say, man, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. That may be the only opportunity right there. And God says, okay, I'm done. Here's your hardened heart. There needs to be a but God moment. Again, I say this about Abimelech. Abimelech could have said, you know what? Hang on. I'm going to do my thing my way. I want you to see when God intervenes with this warning. Secondly, not only did he intervene with a warning, he intervened with a withholding. Look at verses 4 through 6 with me. They are on the screen. The Bible says, But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, well, that's good. Wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he, uh, said he not unto me, she is my sister. And, and she even herself said, he is my brother. And in the integrity of mine heart. And in of my hands have I done this. Yeah. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. Incest. Watch this. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. That's God's grace, man. I mean, God came in that dream and gave a warning first. And then secondly, we know, he, and, and you know, uh, Abimelech is saying, I, I understand. They lied to me. I understand, but I haven't touched her. God says, you're right in the integrity of your heart. You've done things right. You've done things on. You've done things according to your will. But let me let you know something. I'm the one that withheld you from being able to go and do something. Here is an example of God's grace. Abimelech, a lost pagan man, the king of a Philistine nation, the perpetual enemy of God's people, worshippers of Dagon, and worshippers, worshippers of Baal. And yet the Lord withheld him from committing a sin which would alter the rest of Abimelech's life. As a matter of fact, it would alter a nation's existence in the nation of Israel. He hindered him from making a mistake that he and his entire nation would never, ever, ever come back from. And we wonder sometimes when things just don't work out the way we want them to. Sometimes we wonder, we're like, man, I, I, why, didn't I, why didn't I get that person? Why didn't I get that job? Why didn't I get that promotion? Why didn't I get that house? Because God's got something better for you. Now, I know you hear people say that. Well, when God closed the door, he just opened up a window. We call those chimney corn scriptures back in the States. It's what they are, you know. Um, but there's a lot of truth in them. You know, we, we, most nine times out of ten, don't take this wrong. People are saying that just to make you feel better. And that's what the whole thing, they should try to make you feel better. But there's a, there is a reality to it that God intervened in Abimelech's life first with a warning. Secondly, he says, let me know, I've withheld you. I've kept you from doing this. I mean, God established this covenant with Abraham through Sarah. In Genesis 17, verse 21 and 22, it says, But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear um, at this set time in the, in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So God, and we know that, you know, I say we know, just to give you a little backstory on that right there, I'm really not trying to take much time, but that was the Lord Jesus Christ right there that appeared unto him. Two angels came with him in Genesis 17, and Jesus in the middle. It's called a theophany. Pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ on this earth. The Son of God. He's always been. 
But guys, how many of us, as we look back across our own history, our own life, and we see areas, man, we could have just lost it all. We see that we were withheld from making certain decisions or withheld from going certain places or withheld from leaving somewhere. And we could just, I mean, we could have messed the whole thing up. Think about the near misses. Think about the opportunity, the days and times of, of being at the right place at the right time and even looking at those moments when theoretically, guys, we made a bad choice and yet somehow, someway, God still intervened in our life. Somehow, someway, we... We tell the story with a breaking point, but God. And this is the intervening hand of the Lord. It should not only change the outcome, but it also changes the place that we position ourselves. You see, God's intervening with a warning. God intervenes with a holding. Lastly tonight, can I tell you this this evening? God intervenes with a witness. He intervenes with a witness Verse 7, and then we'll skip down to verse 17 and 18 in the same chapter. The Bible says, Now therefore restore this man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know that thou, that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Verse 17 says, And Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wounds of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, his, uh, Abraham's wife. Just imagine. When, Ab when Abimelech heard from God, think about who he is, where he's from, and now what he became. He was a vile nation against God. He was a, a pagan nation who hated our God. But God is no respecter of persons. And he, guys, he would have all souls be saved and born again. And this witness that was given to Abimelech that day travels all the way down to us tonight. A people who were not a people, according to, to Peter. It reveals the whole purpose of that covenant we talked about just a moment ago. In Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6, the Bible says, And he said, Is it a light? It is a light thing that thou shouldest. Be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved of Israel, who also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the conversations as as the Israelites went here and there, and as they uh, read the, uh, the, the the scriptures, and as they read the uh, the Word of God, and as they did all these different things, and they said, you know, wait a second here, you know, this is not anything new. God intervened. In Gentiles' life, God intervened with those Philistines. Man, God saved Abimelech's life. God gave him a warning. God gave him a withheld it. But he also gave him a witness that God is not a respecter of person. But God intervened with a soul this day, thousands of years ago, just to ensure a nation would be born so that his, world would be, his word would be upheld and that the light of the glorious gospel be offered to a people who are without God. Acts 13, 47 says, For so hath the Lord uh, commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And we can know that and be encouraged. We can know that and be encouraged. You know, the gospel, the gospel made its way into the United Kingdom while the Apostle Paul was still alive. 
through those Roman roads and those Roman tracks. As a matter of fact, uh, the Baptist doctrine, the, the same doctrine that you read about in Acts chapter 11, that very same doctrine was right here in Wales, right where we are now, all the way back to 63 A.D. The Apostle Paul wasn't killed until 68 A.D. My soul, man. I mean, people were the people the council. They were being evangelized with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ before the Book of Revelation was even written. Oh man, that just blows my mind. It goes all the way back to a, a time in Genesis 17 when God says, "I'm making a covenant with you." Genesis 12, we originally gave it to him, and he told him, uh, told him, told Sarah, "You're going to have a child." Abraham's old man, 99 years old. He's making like, man. Sarah's 90. She laughed. He says, we're four days out of last year. I didn't laugh because you didn't laugh. You know, she's in another room. I'm saying all that, guys, to say this, that when you look at what God has done for us in our life today, some of it hasn't been pretty. Some of it hasn't been fun. Some of it hasn't been exactly what we wanted at the moment. But boy, it sure has been for a blessing. We're encouraged to know that the Bible tells us, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that he cannot say, neither is ear heavy, that he cannot hear. And because of Abimelech's but God moment, we today have the blessed opportunity to have our own. I mentioned the verse just a moment ago, but the Bible says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priest, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called. Uh, praise of him who hath called you out of the darkness into this marvelous light. First Peter 2 9. So there's a but God moment. There's a but God moment in our life, but God intervened. I don't know what moment you had in your life. We could be here till tomorrow. Me just listening to the ones that I'm, I know of, just my own. God has saved me out of thick and thin. But I praise God tonight for the but God moment in Abimelech's life because his moment, somewhere down the way, it gave me mine. And his moment, somewhere down the way, gave you yours. That's our God tonight. That's the grace of our God tonight. When you don't understand it, just stand. Hey, when you don't know where to go, just follow Him. When you're, Hey, listen, when, you're, when you have questions, just look for the glorious light of that path and follow His ways and His words. Guys, listen, when you do that today and you take a stand on the Word of God and you be faithful to Him, faithful to His house, faithful to His Word, faithful to prayer, that but God moment, even though you may not recognize it, may already be happening in your life to be a future blessing down the road. Will you bow your heads tonight? Father, we do thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for the evening. We ask you, Lord, to bless the message tonight to the hearers. I do pray that you touch and tender lives this evening. So we love you. We thank you, dear God. And I want to personally thank you now publicly. Thank you for my but God moment in my life. Thank you for each and every one of them. And I pray, dear Lord, that you bless every soul here this evening yes. richly and wonderfully. Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope and pray the preaching and teaching.